We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle have drawn 1-1 at Bournemouth. At Bournemouth, in Newcastle, we've drawn with Bournemouth. It was 1-1. It wasn't very good, it was not very good at all, and I've got Norman Riley, Charlotte Robson, Simon Campbell with me today in our office in Newcastle to talk through what happened and why and where we go from here. I don't know who wants to start, I'm going to pose an open question to you all, um, and I think this is a fairly reasonable thing to say, but the worst under Howe for a long time, the worst the worst home performance under Eddie Howe, is that, is that a fair performance? So Eddie Howe certainly seemed to think of after the match, I've never heard him kind of go at the players like that before and talk about the the lack of acceptability almost of the performance. Yeah, I mean, you can probably discount a couple of Spurs performances in there, but yes, that is the worst in terms of expectation versus the result and uh, the performance we got. That was that was probably the worst, not just from the players. I would say it, there was mistakes made by the manager. I think substitutes weren't made early enough. So it was a bad performance all around from the entire team and um, um, coaching staff. I would also say it's the worst performance from the crowd under Eddie Howe. That's the worst atmosphere I've seen at St. James's Park. Now, I understand why people were frustrated. The performance was poor and it was really, really difficult to watch towards the end when we just weren't doing anything to, to try and win the game. It at least didn't feel that way. And I understand why people were getting wound up. There was um, silly, silly decisions being made, shots from distance when we still had plenty of time and stuff like that. And people were getting wound up, but the, the booze at the end is, is unacceptable. But I also don't, don't think that that, um, that 12th man effect that we've seen so many times under Eddie Howe was there at all. I think there was very little... Um, collective support for the players who for, for uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to um, suggest they weren't trying I think there was still the endeavor still the, the work rate was there there was just very little creativity and it was that was the, that was the problem yesterday so I don't think it was uh, due to lack of trying so I don't think the players could be accused of or deserved the negative reaction necessarily I just think everyone was very frustrated and collectively the, the team the club the, the fans just had a really bad day yesterday I agree. I think it's interesting the point you make about the 12th man element of it because we mentioned this earlier on in the season, perhaps during pre-season, that as a team now, there are lots of games that we're expected to win at home. This has been something that hasn't been on the player's shoulders for a long, long time, right? I mean, you could argue under Benitez in the Premier League, definitely under Bruce, pretty much every match we went into, I never felt confident of winning. I always thought we might win, mm. but I wasn't ever thinking we're definitely going to win. Whereas under Howe since the turn of the year, especially... More or less every home game, other than against you know, Man City, for example, even Arsenal to a certain extent, like last season, you're thinking, well, we might, we might get a win. We probably won't, but we might get a win. A game against Bournemouth, a game against Palace, you're thinking, no, we're going to win. We're going to win. And I think that, as a fan, 
you see this with a lot of clubs, right? When uh, when the expectations higher, you, you do see this kind of drop off in intensity of atmosphere from the fans. Again, it would depend on the opposition, and I think probably with the fifty thousand Newcastle fans going in that stadium, missed it. The vast majority expected a win, and I think that was kind of perhaps reflected. And obviously, we didn't have Gallagher flags as well to kind of whip up a bit of a frenzy before the game, which it's it's interesting because it it almost feels like that kind of outlines the importance of the work that Gallagher flags have done, right? Um, or war flags, sorry, Gallagher flags, bit of a Freudian slip there, mm. but um, <laughs> more flags. But I think it, the the performance on the pitch was was lethargic. Um, maybe that two week break just hasn't helped as well. Uh, obviously, you know the, the the game against West Ham being called off in the way it did as quickly as it did as well, because you would have thought. All the prep that had been put into that, all the tactical setup, everything how we'd gone through, all of a sudden, bang, it just drops. And then it's a case of having to pick up again after not having the intensity of that West Ham game. So I think it was kind of reflected. It almost felt like the players were coming back off holiday, even though they weren't, you know what I mean? And look, one thing I will say is, I probably underestimated Bournemouth as a team. You look at them getting tanked 9-0 mm. and you're thinking they're terrible. But guess what's happened though? O'Neill's just organised them and they've got players in there who are experienced in the Premier League and they've got a grip of that midfield yesterday and they just didn't let Gant and we couldn't work out how to break it down. And then you mentioned substitutes. When we do bring subs on, you know, we're missing the SM, so we're starting Ryan Fraser, right, for example. Now, if we're bringing Ryan Fraser on as a substitute with 20 minutes to go, something might happen. We're bringing on Jacob Murphy, and I said on the Match Day podcast, I called for Jacob Murphy to come on just because I thought he's directness, he's pace, even though he's not very good at crossing or shooting, he doesn't really get assists. At least he causes a bit, <laughs> at least he causes a bit of chaos, right? Um, and, but he came on and obviously was completely ineffective. That's not necessarily owning him because the team were pretty poor. But I mean, the lack of options from the bench yesterday, I thought really twirled. Yeah. And obviously, ASM is absolutely vital to this team in games like this. I feel like, I, I get what you're saying about Bournemouth. Like, we, I think we maybe underestimated them. Yeah, they, but they still aren't very good. Like, we were watching them yesterday and... They still aren't very good. We should we should have been like several goals up by halftime. They didn't. Nick Pope had a like he, he might as well not have been there. Like if so little did he have to do, and they're just not a good team. And that isn't a good result against a, a not a good team. Like those are the teams we need to be comfortably beating. I see what you're saying, but at the same time. We, under Benitez, weren't a very good team, yet we suffocated a lot of sides, and that's True. how we got points. And I think Bournemouth yesterday worked out very quickly what war game plan was. O'Neill worked out what, very quickly what it was. The players on the pitch did it, and they just suffocated from playing. And I, I completely agree. They're a team that we should be thumping, really. I yeah. mean, that, if we want to finish, if we've got aspirations of the top eight, Bournemouth's a team that we should be comfortably beating, comfortably beating like we did Nottingham Forest. But yesterday, I mean, as, as I say, I will give credit to them. They came organised, disciplined, and it was enough. It was enough, and that's I think that's the... The sad thing is that it was enough to stifle with, which um, obviously going forward, it's, it's something we need to work out. When teams do come to St. James's and suffocate space, there needs to be a plan B. And I don't think we saw much of a plan B yesterday. I think it's um, it's definitely two points dropped, like massively two points dropped. I think that's why I was so despondent this morning. But I agree with what you're saying, Norman. Bournemouth came with a plan, a very simple plan of, of get 10 men behind the ball and try and catch her on the break. And to be fair, they caught with the one real break. There was a couple of opportunities maybe early on, but... There's only one real chance they've had, and it's a very well-taken goal from Bournemouth, to be fair. You could say defensively really poor, letting Billing just wander off into space and score, but it was, it was you know, the quarters off guard on the break, and other than that, their plan absolutely worked. Get 10 behind the ball, they know we're going to struggle to break them down without a player like Maximan on the team who can beat players and then create an opening. If it's 11 v 11, and we haven't got anyone who's going to beat a man, but mathematically that makes it really, really hard to get anywhere. Um, you need a moment of brilliance, and it didn't come. Um, so yeah, I think... Bournemouth set up very, very well. They probably knew our weaknesses, knew knew who was missing, knew that would probably 
if they just set up and, and made it really rigid, leave no gaps, we had no answer to that and it was right. We didn't have an answer to it. I think there's always going to be a desire, particularly from people like us who talk about what's happened for other people, to look at the specific incidents and the specific you know, selections of the game yesterday and then you maybe try and analyse them in isolation. And realistically, this is a season-long problem so far. Like yesterday, I think one of the reasons people are most disappointed about yesterday is probably it was quite predictable, despite some mm-hmm. of us predicting big wins like I did. But I think realistically, everyone hopefully, because there's a little bit of discussion on this, know that without ASN, Newcastle United are a shadow of the side in an attacking sense, a shadow of the side. That was the same before takeover was you know his importance to this team and I would argue John Joe Shelby's as well from a purely attacking sense um should not be in question now they're two massive players to miss and what a half fit half fit Bruno yesterday what did he last like 70 minutes 65 mm. minutes so we're still without kind of four key players from an attacking sense I'm you know giving myself an extra player in Bruno there but realistically in terms of how we play and I think a lot of people have made this point Mark Douglas made the point to me on Twitter earlier it's the bench when Bournemouth come to St James's Park and play with thirty percent of the ball, just like when Palace come to St James's Park and play with hardly any of the ball, good teams in this division turn the screw in the last thirty, in the last twenty, the last thirty. When they have tired legs, mm. we are able to therefore turn the screw. Defensive errors are made; they're put under pressure. The crowd gets on the back. We're the opposite. We against Palace and against Bournemouth. It's the first halves that we are, and, and even a bit against Forest. It's the first half when we have all our chances. And the, the other team, when the avalanche of chances should come, when they're facing their own goal time and time again, when they're having to defend balls in between the goalkeeper and the penalty spot time and time again, we we are unable to kind of execute that later stage of the game. And the question, the bit, the bit, the question, the answer to it really is lack of quality off the bench. I don't think Jacob Murphy gets a game for Bournemouth. Maybe Sean, Sean Longstaff's a difficult one because he's had good games for Newcastle, but certainly based on his performance yesterday, he comes on and, and doesn't affect the game whatsoever. Elliot Anderson might have made a difference if he if he had been fit, so that's that's a real shame. So we're kind of without five, four and a half, five players in an attacking sense that you'd really expect the other to make other teams suffer. Um, and then then the other one is is Eddie Howe's kind of people are calling it inflexibility in that moment. Newcastle don't particularly change formation. He doesn't give Chris Wood. 20 minutes alongside Isak, who we'll talk about later in the show. He doesn't allow Ryan Fraser and Chris Wood to play together because Fraser's probably the only player who can cross the ball for Newcastle and Wood's the only player who wants the ball to be crossed relentlessly to his head. So they're, they're kind of little hyper-criticisms, I think. But but ultimately, I just don't think we're a good enough team or, or good enough squad to be able to dominate games like we want to do. And it is a transition to dominate. We, we you know Even under Benitez, like you say, Norman... Definitely not under Bruce, not under Benitez, not under McLaren, rarely under Pardew. How far back can I go here? When you castle aside, that would have 70% of the ball at home, regardless of the opposition. So it's 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 new for everyone. Like Sai says, it's new for the crowd as well. And it is frustrating. And it's, I mean, it, you, you could maybe go back to the championship, actually, and, and talk about it then. But, you know, we were doing this podcast in the championship and how often did we talk about how bad the crowd was and how frustrated St. James used to get playing against bad teams, not able to break them down. So it, it, it's new, and I just I just think that I think that should this situation happen again, if you look at the fixtures to come, well, first of all, we should have better players. But Callum Wilson was close to being on the bench yesterday. You'd assume in two weeks' time he'd be fit enough to start against Fulham and beyond. ASM minor setback. John Joe Shelby 
back earlier than predicted, should be back in, within a month, and then Elliot Anderson should be back as well. So will this happen again? I don't know, but we should have better players. I think the concern for me is it's particularly the two wide men. They, they, I think everyone, most Newcastle fans knew that the ASM has the left-hand side nailed. Right, We're not going to get better than them. We don't want better than them. Some people don't like them, but the vast majority of people do. It's that right-hand side, which Eddie Howe was pretty vocal about, I think, to, to journalists in particular, that key position for him over the summer was that right-hand attacking position. We didn't strengthen, and I don't know whether he feels like this, and he picks Miguel Moron to play there, but I'm fucking sick of watching Miguel Moron be played with a very good ball into a very good position and to cut back on his left foot. The opposition know it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. He knows, he knows it's going to happen. Screaming yesterday for him to just switch sides with Fraser. Just switch just switch sides and see, see what happens. But that also seems to me, you know, is that a solution? Are, are all our problems from an attacking sense going to go away if Miguel Almiron plays on the other side of the pitch? Probably not. You and I talked about it. Sorry to... And you and I talked about it because I watched a match with Alex yesterday, and um, you know, it, it it you can switch Almiron over to the other side and bring Razor, Fraser over, <laughs> um, but it, it they're not uh, they're not threatening. They're not. There's no um, there's no aggression in our front three with, with Isaac and those two, and like you know, Almiron for all we talk about is big emoji smiling face. That's not. That doesn't frighten teams. That doesn't worry teams. And I know it's not just about his face and the way that he runs and stuff, but he's just there's 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 a real lack of like of bite. I think there With Fraser too and Isak. Maybe Isak will will come out a little bit more. Like when he scored at Liverpool, I, there was there was something there. There was something quite. I talked about it on the free pod after that. This this kind of arrogance, this kind of aggression that 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 is in him. But he's, he's not getting, we will talk about it, he's not getting that service. But those two out wide, I just think, you, you said it to me, the team, the opposition is fine with them having the ball. It doesn't, like, they're not worried about that. They're worried if it's ASM. They're, you know, they're worried if it's Trippier. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're worried, worried if it's Trippier. Trippier than Almiron gets the ball. And, and it just, I don't, know how, I don't know how you fix that. That feels almost personality. And I don't want to, you know, shit on them as people. But, like, that that's not... It's it's not it doesn't work it's not working. So with Almiron, I I think that it would have been good to have seen him go on to the left yesterday. Now look, would it have made a massive difference? Possibly not, but would it have made a slight difference? Maybe, and that slight difference might have been the little difference that we needed to get a to get a second goal or to take the lead, right? And you have to look at the front three under Benitez, right? So Rondon, Perez, and Almiron. Almiron played on the left hand side then, right? And that front three more or less built up an understanding very quickly. They, they were lucky in the sense that I think they had like eight or nine games together where they were fully fit. They combined fantastically well. I don't think, you know, that front three is as effective, is, is, is as good as our, uh, you know, full strength front three now. It isn't. But at the same time, what they had was they had, they had time, they had, the very, they had a little bit of time to develop. They stayed fit and there was an element of, of luck in there. And obviously, Miguel Moron on that left-hand side, that front three, well, he was excellent. He was. I mean, look, I know our standards at the time were lower, so we're probably look at him being better than, than what he actually is. But I do feel that, at least if he's on that left-hand side of the pitch, he might whip in a couple of first-time crosses. That might actually happen, and that might make a bit of difference. Um, but again, I think we have been, we have to look at it from, an, like if I'm trying to look at the positives here, from a look perspective, Wilson and Maxi being out means that the front three haven't had any time, his first-choice front three, whatever that may be, hasn't had any time to gel. And I think... 
the, the, the issue is, is that, you know, again, Fraser's kind of been sporadically in and out the side as well. And, and really you could argue that Ryan Fraser hasn't been in necessarily good form for three years. He's struggled with injuries. His last season at Bournemouth was a bit of a write-off. So there is, I think there is an element of confidence there as well. But I I agree yesterday, I did at one point think, oh, just just flip them, just flip them round. Um, and one other thing, maybe, maybe unrelated, but because I don't want to focus on any sort of, you know, I've come across as too negative, that Kieran Trippier free kick guns in yesterday, we're going to win that game. We're, the, we're literally the width of the post. We're probably winning the game. So it's just these little bits of bad luck tied into the fact that we are possibly a little bit tactically inflexible, or at least we were yesterday. I, I do agree. And I think I said that to you straight after the game. Normally, like if we'd scored one of those chances that came in the flurry to just before half time, we'll probably do go on to win the game comfortably. That That's probably fair. Um, the fact that there were no further highlights is, is the problem that we should go back to. But I just want to defend Miggy and Ryan Fraser a little bit. Now, I agree with everything that you guys have said, and I think they were both very ineffective in their position overall yesterday. But they were so easy to defend against, and it is a little bit down to the, the one-footedness, especially of Miggy. They just show him down the line every single time. And then when he cuts back, they've already got the, the fullbacks on, on the winger. And I, I wouldn't say Ryan Fraser got... got away from his man a couple of times, but still had to cut back inside. And by that time, the fullback's back on you. There's two there's two centre-halves on, on Isaac, and then they've got another at least another two midfielders crowding out the box. So well, just... I thought when defending crosses yesterday, they went with back five. Any yeah. time particularly tri- uh, Trippier got the ball, yeah. one of Definitely, their two Definitely, at least one midfielder dropped so we, in. We yeah. just, and I was saying this to Charlotte during the game, I kept just, I was kind of saying it out loud, I was like, we've got three in the box, we've got four in the box, because they, they have, if the other team have more men than you in the box, it's got to be the best cross yeah. in mm. the history of crosses to actually find someone in that like nine yard place where everyone's standing. And so also, this, someone, oh, sorry, and also someone who can win a header in the box as well. We didn't yeah. necessarily have that yesterday, did we? Because, you know, that's true. That's Isak true. isn't a, he's not a target man. Whereas, so clearly not an aerial, uh, aerial yeah. centre forward because I don't think he won one header in the, in the entire game. Um, but the players that did, like Joe Linton, can't head the ball very well, so it was just going everywhere. So, uh, yeah, I just want to talk about Joe Linton and Joe Willick. I thought Willick was decent of, of all the um, midfielders. He was the only one trying to do something, trying to make something happen, but it wasn't very effective, really. When Fraser or Miggy were getting the ball in those kind of high positions near the byline, they were so far behind. They were so isolated, and they really need that support. The best games we've had from Miggy is where Miggy, Bruno, and Joe Linton have been playing quite close together, short passes, and Wilson plays in very well with that. Um, and obviously, we're going to have to play slightly differently with Isaac to, to his strengths, try and find him balls in behind and, and get him one-on-one with the keeper is basically what we're trying to do with Isaac, and that didn't happen yesterday because Bournemouth was so deep. But yeah, I just thought the support from Joe Linton in a game where you don't really need him hanging back and just, just kicking people's asses. You need more from him. You need creativity. You need him to contribute going forward. Willick was a little bit better, but similarly, he kind of, he was running around a lot, but there was no close link of play with either of those wingers. They were so isolated and therefore so easy to defend against. I don't want to be too critical of their individual well, performances. We'll, we'll, we'll come on to that in a bit because it was a point I wanted to make about how it's not like how Eddie Howe stood at the side of the pitch thinking, oh, well, nothing nothing to be done. He, he <laughs> knew how Bournemouth were going to set up. But I want to, I want to, I want to come back to the to that in part two of the show. Um, Charlotte has an advert from our paymasters. I do. You must all be so excited to learn that UEFA Champions League soccer is streaming on Paramount Plus. Nine months of heart-stopping, hold-your-breath exhilaration is underway with the biggest stars, top teams, and craziest fan bases in Europe. Um. That's not true. We're, we're pretty crazy. Um, watch every match from the group stage through the knockout rounds as Benzema and Real Madrid defend their title against Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, PSG, Barcelona and more in soccer's biggest club competition. That's football for everybody. Mm-hmm. 
So don't miss a single sweat-soaked second. God, that is rank, isn't it? That, that's <laughs> such a horrible way of saying it. Of regulation week. time, stoppage time and extra time. And stream every match of the UEFA Champions League live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. All over that because um, I'm a big fan of Victoria Pilsen and the crazy fan base. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll move on to part two of the show. Um, I mean, first, my first question before we talk tactically a little bit is just to get your thoughts on the start to the season. Um, you know, good start, bad start, uh, worried, confident. Someone give me an answer. How are you feeling? I feel, uh, so me again, I feel, you know what, right, we ha- you have to put this into context we haven't we've only lost one we've drawn the rest of them or one and that's that's okay like it took us till december to win a game last season and it, it, it's really difficult and i was trying to articulate this on the way in when i was chatting to alex it's really difficult because we ended last season so well and we won so many games and i was trying to think is it do we need the pressure to be on is that the only circumstance under which we really, you know, bring out the best performances and perform. But Alex rightly made the point that maybe not because we we were already safe and we still churned out really good performances and and good results towards the end of last season. But it is still, it's still, you know, it's that sort of evolution, not revolution kind of thing that people keep saying. It's, it's disappointing because you just want us to be class and we have been class and there's so much there and you can see it that we want to like eke out of our team but at the same time we've only lost one it, this is still pretty people are saying this is relegation form it's not relegation uh, form what it, people are saying yeah. people on like on 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 your socials <laughs> not real people um somebody commented on the, the youtube bots. video that we did saying that is relegation form it's not relegation form like honestly calm down um Maybe it's not European form, okay? And that is what we want, of course. But, like, we just need to be um, a little bit more calm about this. I I don't think it's a bad start. I agree. I don't think it's a bad start. And um, obviously, whatever, you know, Bulldog Bill Blake 072543 thinks about the (laughs) relegation form. You're incorrect, mate. Um, But, look, we're 10th in the table, right? We've lost once. We're three points off sixth place for them. Same amount of games. So has it been a bad start compared to last season? Most certainly not. It hasn't been a bad. It hasn't been a bad start. Right? Can, can I? Sorry, but I was just going to say a lot of people are coming at me on social media saying, "Stop talking about last season." Like, like, how long can we talk about last season? Well, the the wounds are still real. Well, last season was a like, bad start. Spent, though. Used to spend a lot of time and money watching a really shit football team, kind of not really try very hard to win games. Um, like I think that the fact that Jacob Murphy, the fact we're talking so long staff, Jacob Murphy and Fabian Share, these guys are still a link to eight games ago, which is last season. And I, I, I do think it's relevant about where we've come from and where we're going. You know, me and Charlotte did a quick uh, video for uh, another company, and we were kind of asked about you know how long it'll take to win the league, how long will it take Newcastle in the Champions League, and then doing the research, like it took Man City a long time, mm-hmm. a Man City as people have made the point, came from a much higher base than Newcastle were coming from. These guys who own the football club now, they bought a shell of a football club. There was no staff. There mm. was no everyone hated each other in, in terms of fans, players, players, fans, journalists. Eddie Howe takes over a football club that pretty much everyone outside of the region is just like they've they're, they're going down. Even though Steve Bruce was doing a great job, they're still going down. Don't know, how does that work? <laughs> I don't know. Ask West Brom fans. Um 
so last season is relevant and like you're correctly saying where, where we're coming from is relevant i think we should be doing better but fucking hell like you say we're, we've lost once in the opening seven games in that time we've played wolves away we've played liverpool we've played manchester city there's three defeats for you Pre, you know previously mm. we've, we've lost one and, and if it wasn't for var and it wasn't for some the post in the last two fixtures we could be sat here saying we're in fourth place i think I think the disappointment's been, right, is that obviously, again, I'm on reference last season, the form towards the end last season was superb, right? But also, I think it's the home games against, it's Bournemouth and Crystal Palace, it's failing to win either one of those games. That's probably what's made this feel a lot worse than what it actually is because they're the kind of games when the fixtures are announced at the start of the season, you're looking at those first 10 games, and you're picking the ones that you're going to get three points in. Palace and Bournemouth, you're going to probably have them nailed doing as three points, or at least getting four points from those two games. That's what makes it disappointing. If they'd been away games, if Palace and Bournemouth had been away, it wouldn't. This wouldn't feel as bad. You'd be like, oh, there's another away game that we haven't lost, Reed. So, it hasn't been a bad start. It hasn't been a good start. It's been a hell of a lot better than last season, right? The important thing now is the next three games. Fulham away is going to be a tough game. I think we can win. We can go and win, but it's going to be a tough game. They're in good form. They've got some decent players. They're going to be fired up. Uh, they've got an ex-player who probably feels he still has a point to prove against Newcastle. The games after that. Brentford and Man United, tough games. Brentford at home, it's not an easy game, as we know. Emmanuel, we, Emmanuel have, have seemed to have turned a corner a bit. We come with those three games, I would say with anything less than four points. So that'll be what, let's say, let's say it's three points, right? We, we That means 11 points from 11 games, that we, or 11 points from 10 games. We'll probably start thinking at that point, oh, this hasn't been great. If there's no wins in those three games, that's when we'll start thinking this has been a pretty bad start of the season. But right now, as it stands, you know, I'm not going to get too wound up with this. We're in 10th, we're three points off six. You know, that's not that's our really relegation form, Norman. Well, just to defend Billy Boy seven six five one four, <laughs> five, five points from the last six is relegation form. That's that's on course for finishing on like thirty three points. Oh, you that's can't not, you can't just exclude. I know, I know. I'm, I'm being I'm being slightly facetious. So yes, um, <laughs> I, I'm a little bit more worried than you than you lot are um, because of the fixtures you've just mentioned, Norman. Because I think they are difficult fixtures. I think it's gonna be very hard to go to Fulham, who are in it. You know. They've had a bit of a bounce, and where? Can I put a question to you? Do you? Would you not then buy into possibly what Charlotte was saying that the more difficult the fixture and the more riding it, the better we become? Not just because of the fact that we need the points, but also we're going to be like Miguel Almiron and Ryan Fraser, if they're playing, are going to be afforded what they weren't afforded against Palace and Bournemouth, which is spacing behind and throw, yeah. throw Isaac into that as well. Possibly yes, and I think um, one one observation I'd make on Mickey just to go down that point for a second is that he doesn't like to time on the ball. If he's just got no time to think, and I'd probably yeah. say the same for Fraser. If we're playing on instinct, we seem to be much better than when we've got loads of time and loads of touches. So maybe that's right. Um, and I also agree that we'll get much better performances at um, Spurs away and Manu away in the next few weeks than we ever have before. So there is that to factor in, and I totally buy into the fact that this is a work in progress, and you can't expect us to be mint overnight. I think we're all. We are all still affected by how good it was last season. We're all still affected by the fact we've got Botman, we've got Bruno, and we're worried about what happens if we don't kick on this season, if we end up finishing somewhere lower than expected. On paper, we should be in the top 10, and we are still in the top 10, technically, as of today. This, I mean, if Leeds win this weekend, or their game's been cancelled, isn't it? Um, if, you know, next week we don't win at Fulham, then we're down to like 12th, 13th. It just starts to get a bit worrying. Those fixtures, you get up to Christmas and you you're not really looking like kicking on into that top eight. And yes, we've had injuries. Yes, we've had some VAR nightmares this season. It's, I don't know. I'm, I'm just a little bit more worried now and a little bit concerned that the I, I haven't seen any really blowing away performances. The performances have been good and have deserved probably more points than we've got. But at the same time, we've had Wolves where we didn't really create a chance until Maxi scores a, a, a worldie at the end of the game. Brighton, 
probably didn't deserve anything from that game. We're really poor. Palace were, were, were scored, but also it was like yesterday, very little creativity. Yesterday, you could, you could have easily, that game could have easily finished nil-nil. They, they got a lucky break and we got a pen through VAR, but it could easily be nil-nil the, 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 the other day. The comeback to that, though, and I'm not even saying disagree with you loads, the comeback, and I, what I don't want to do, I don't want to fall into the trap of like of, of, of reducing the game to its highlights, which some people do. So you could look at the highlights and say, against Palace, well, we hit the post, we had a goal disallowed, Guaida pulls off three very, very good saves. Yesterday, Joe Litton hits the post, the inside of the post, mm. Mm. Kieran Trippi hits the post, and then if you look at the highlights of the games, I think Pope makes one save against Palace. You think Newcastle should win that game 3-1, but when you watch, when you watch the games in the entirety, you're like, we very, very... I thought Newcastle should have beaten Palace, but yesterday, I can't, you can't begrudge Bournemouth a point, despite yeah. their lack of endeavour. We're not going to... I don't want to turn into that fan base where the, the team with much less resources comes, like we do to, to Liverpool, and Liverpool fans um, are incredulous that we'll have the... You know, we're trying to run down the clock, or... Gamesmanship. Yeah, gamesmanship. Well, we might try and be, be happy with the point. That's fine. That's a really good point for Bournemouth. But, it, it, it like 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 you say, Si, it is a worry that those... The Palace highlights and the Bournemouth highlights cover about 40 seconds of play across yeah. the two fixtures and then there's the other 180 minutes that's that's the real concern I've got a question for you so I guess we could say the start of the season has been disappointing in terms of points right but there have been positives we know that how do you think how's seen the start of the season well, that's well, a I, good question I think I, I was, was going to say Simon made a point there about the performances um Man City at home, I suppose, is the template. Mm-hmm. Because everyone's fit. Everyone. And it was very, very, very good. Newcastle could have won that game. Man City could have won that game. Man City don't look like conceding a goal. You know, competitive. Look at one, what look at one Man City have gone and done to Wolves yesterday. Uh, so I think how will be will will be frustrated yesterday and and one of the reasons I was going to go into this later on so I'm going to it now I think one of the reasons he's frustrated yesterday is that there was a plan there was a plan for Miguel Almiron cutting back there was a plan for Ryan Fraser being you know not not being able to get past two players there was there was a plan and the plan right from the start was to push those two wide men much further up the pitch so almost in possession um we weren't just pushing everything wide because Bournemouth, as we saw, happy all day defending crosses. We got a penalty from the cross, but they were happy defending crosses. And the idea was that those two players would be would be a genuine front three, not two wide men, a genuine front three. So what you saw was Joe Linton and Joe Willock almost playing very, very wide when we were in possession for parts of the game anyway. I said to Charlotte right at the start of the game, I was like, fucking hell, Joe Linton's pretty much playing yeah, yeah. here as a left, as a left winger mm-hmm. when we're in possession. Didn't work though. That, that yeah. and that's the frustrating thing for how I think is that there was a plan for that and it still didn't work. Um, I actually thought picking Dan Byrne, who had a fine game, nothing wrong, but I thought it was a strange one because I've been so impressed by Botman. He's such a goal threat, Botman, from set pieces. And also he's so comfortable on the ball. But Byrne's comfortable on the ball, but nowhere near to the level Botman is. But I think how yesterday what he's annoyed about is we fell into Bournemouth trap. The reason Bournemouth were going to a back five whenever we had the ball wide is because they expected crosses and there wasn't enough, like Sai says, there wasn't enough patient build-up play. Charlotte said to me second half yesterday when Joe Willock and Fabian Scher and I think Sean Longstaff are, are, are having shots from 35 yards. You gave Charlotte because he'd done it before. But that's like, that was a team panicking. Yeah. And I think they'd planned for Bournemouth to be very, very, to get lots of men in defensive positions in the penalty area 
and there was supposed to be a plan, yet the players reverted to just trying to shoot from distance, cross the ball. And I think that's where his frustration will come from. I think what, what yesterday exposed, I mean, Bournemouth have taken some hammerings from Liverpool and Man City. Man City. Man City. Um, uh, the, the, the gulf in quality that we have compared to those teams, because they would have set up in a very similar way to try and, to try and shut down those games and just had no success. Where, where we made it easy for them, I thought the likes of Fabian Cher, I agree with that shot was maybe like the 89th minute. At that point, fair enough, Fabian, just have a go. But um, his his distribution from the back was really poor. I was saying after about 50 minutes, let's just get Botman on at the back. Don't need Dan Burn. He's like you say, he wasn't having a bad game, but someone who can move the ball a bit quicker, a bit more accurately, because where, where we let ourselves down was whenever there was a gap, whenever Trippier did have 10 yards of space, the pass to him was, was poor. It was behind him or it was getting intercepted or it was just a little bit too far ahead of him and difficult to control. Um, I thought the moving from side to side was as frustrating as it was. The reason it wasn't working is the passing was really inaccurate. It was really, the quality just wasn't there. Joe Willick's passing was, was poor. It wasn't reaching the men. Joe Linton was, was giving the ball away loads. Um, I just think that to, to play that game and to try and break down a team like Bournemouth when they were doing what they were doing requires precision passing. It requires quality. It requires quick thinking. And all of that was missing yesterday. And you need all of your players playing well. So the likes of Fabian Cher had an off game with the ball. Um, I thought he was making a lot of mistakes, giving it away. I thought um, Trippy was fine. I thought Mike Target had one of his worst games for Newcastle. Just again, I don't think it was bad. I just think he, he was giving the ball away. He was his passing was poor. There was no, there was no connection between him and Fraser. They obviously haven't played together much, which, which is exactly what you said before, Norman. There's that, that kind of those link-ups aren't there yet, and those relationships aren't there because we're playing different players every week. So maybe that is impacting how we play. But I just thought quality-wise across the park, whilst the lads were trying. Things just weren't coming off, and I, I don't know what you put that down to, but it, it was just kind of a reminder that we are nowhere near the, the force that we think we are just yet in terms of how good our individual players are. Spot on, mate. I think the Botman uh, situation is interesting. You mentioned his goal threat, and we had eight corners yesterday. Bournemouth had one, and I, I can't recall those corners coming to anything in terms of being a threat. The, the sea all seemed to be dealt with pretty easily, and I think in the first off, there was actually an attempt at a a training ground manoeuvre, short corner, Joe Linton plays the ball out, doesn't he run a short corner and then there's nothing coming to it. I'm trying to think back of the chances that we had, you know, the Joe Linton inside the post, obviously the free kick from Chippy has not from a corner, but those corners didn't, they didn't come to anything, did they? So I think Botman on the pitch yesterday may well have, you know, he may have made a difference, at least he would have been a threat, we didn't seem to offer any threat from those set pieces whatsoever. The only thing I can think of is that um, Solanke and Billings are so, so tall, so mm. much taller than everyone but Byrne. Um, that that's why he's gone with that. But again, these are Newcastle haven't only won one game this season because Dan Byrne starts ahead of Sven Botman in the in the fixture against True. Bournemouth. These are almost kind of like, you know, we're we're looking for answers where maybe there are none. Maybe, maybe the, the the solutions are much bigger. But Sai, you made the point there that the, the difference in quality between Man City and Liverpool when they t- play teams like Bournemouth. We we go to Liverpool with fucking half a team, <laughs> like should win the game probably, yeah. and then we will play Man City at home and, and and get fucked over by the re- the referee. Should win the game probably. So that I think that's where a lot of fans are struggling. It's like how can we be so good in these fixtures and so poor in these other ones? I think that's a a mentality thing that and that's Eddie Howe's problem to solve. Um, games even against Bournemouth, well not Bournemouth last season, but even teams against the teams in the bottom five last season were relegation six-pointers, every game had everything riding on it, the crowd was mm. up for it, the players were up for it, it was do or die. There was no do or die yesterday, and that's why the crowd was getting frustrated, because we're expecting to win the game. The players probably had a little bit of um, complacency there, expecting, oh, we'll, we'll beat these, we're, we're good enough to beat these. There was no kind of, we absolutely have to win this game, which every single fixture between 
January and May last year was like that. Every single, you just got 110%. The lads ran themselves into the ground. Didn't feel like that was the case yesterday. And I think that's a mentality thing that Eddie Howe is now going to have to work on with the players and say, like, well, how do I get you lads back up for these fixtures? Because we're just giving points away at the minute because we're not putting everything into these games. Fair enough. And I want to talk before we finish the show today about Alexander Isak. Um, Sai's just did a big thumbs down, which is funny. But Charlotte, I'll let you say what you want to say about how you analysed his performance yesterday. I just think that... Like there's there's a little bit of talk about how he's not it's not good enough. Like we were talking about, yeah, Norman's don't worry, Norman, I'm with you. Norman's shaking his head. Build up size response here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so there's a little bit of talk about how he's not good enough. He's not going for the ball. He's not you know he's not doing X, Y, and Z. That's not his game. And like Isak got no service yesterday. Like he he was in the box like a, most of the times that he had to be there, and he got he, he, the ball wasn't finding its way to him. Like that I think he can score I think he will score but he is you know I was looking at how he was he's played elsewhere and he's always had someone with him he's he's, he's played as part of a two or a one one and and he, he's not he's I was so isolated yesterday he just couldn't get the ball I think, I think that's part of why Eddie Howe wanted to get Almiron and right Fraser in the box with them close and in possession but didn't it didn't, it just work. didn't work yeah yeah, yeah. I just, mean it's a good point like Norman says it like raised earlier when, when did Almiron and Fraser pass to Isak? It's like yeah. they're playing on different teams. Spot on. I think I think he's an excellent player. He's, he's a quality player and he's going to be a quality player. Look at that performance against Liverpool. What did we see? The ball into his feet, right? You know, we were counter-attacking in that game, but the ball came into his feet. That Those two goals that he scored were, out, were outrageous, right? That that second goal, which was a goal, no two ways about it, was outstanding. He, against Palace, has one real clear-cut chance. It's him robbing the defender, so it's the ball on the floor. He's allowed to run directly towards the goal. Unlucky. And yesterday, he is absolutely starved of service. Um, he's not connecting well with the two wide players. You know, Bournemouth managed it. Um, I thought um, Sensini and who was the other centre-half? Mepham. I thought they did a very good job. They, they did a very good job on him. He still scored. He still got two and three. You could argue he's got three and three because, as I say, <laughs> that ridiculous goal against the being disallowed. So it's not a bad start for a kid who was more or less out of form last season. He's arrived with a massive transfer fee. He's a young kid with a lot of pressure on his shoulders. And he's still got two and three, and he's adapting to a new a new league. I think he's an excellent player, and it's just a case of Newcastle learning how to play with him. Is it? Has he been brought in to challenge Callum Wilson to replace Callum Wilson to play alongside Callum Wilson? Who knows? But one thing I do know is he's a different kind of player, like Callum mm-hmm. Wilson. So that means that when he is number nine, when he's up top in that central role, there has to be maybe a slight change in how we how we play. Launching balls in the box, cr- crosses. Even fast-paced crosses whipped across the box. Maybe not his game. It's ball into feet. It's ball into feet. I've both of them to run onto. So it's just a question of adapting to him. But he's a quality player and he will turn out to be superb at Newcastle. So Simon, I don't even want to listen to this. I don't even want to listen to it. I'm just going to add very quickly that there was a moment yesterday where it, you know, it's exactly what you're saying, Norman. He did get the ball at his feet. He was basically like walking with it like he, he it was so graceful like his command of the ball and he could just he was just like sliding past other players with it very 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 comfortably we just need more of that which he just needs to get the ball like it, that that's all and he just wasn't getting it yesterday good points lads <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't think he's a bad football player uh, i thought his performance yesterday was a bit shite. indeed i thought his performance yesterday was a bit shy i think you you're right to pick up on the Liverpool performance, which is a very different um, different situation in terms of Liverpool don't play a physical game. Um, and I think 
Isaac or as as physical as some of these other teams. I thought Mefim and um Sanisi, Sensini, Sen, whatever the the other centre half's called, um Argentinian. Mm-hmm. Um the uh they bullied him yesterday and I don't think he was enjoying the physicality at all, almost to the point where he was he was drifting out of the game. He he, he was making some intelligent runs, but he was also whenever Fraser Almiron had the ball, he seemed to be behind like three defenders. He just wasn't available. There was no way they were ever gonna find him. Same with Joe Linton. And I know we're we're used to a very different um very different setup with Callum Wilson because he's he's so clever and so good at making those runs and he understands this league, he understands how to make space against Premier League defenders, whereas Isaac, 100%, he's going to need time to, to work that out. He's also going to need time to bulk up because he's a, a tall, skinny lad at the moment and he was getting bashed around. To, to sum up, um, there was a point in the first half where he gets a clunk on the head and then we've got the ball in a very dangerous position and he goes down holding his head so the ref has to stop the game and it's like, no man, Alexander, just just, just don't be hurt because <laughs> he's fine. But obviously <laughs> if he's got a head so injury, he should go down. But game had a play, he stopped, didn't it? And it's just like, oh, come on, man. Um, I don't know, I just thought he was really poor. I thought he, he, he looked like, and this is probably really harsh, he looked like he was actively trying not to get involved in the game. He was avoiding conflict. He was avoiding situations. He didn't look interested. And uh, this this sounds harsh, but so harsh. watching really watching from harsh. where we were, you know, I, I was I was quite close to the pitch from my from my seat yesterday, and he just looked a little bit like he wasn't enjoying himself, and he was really kind of reluctant to stick his head in or stick his foot in. Um, I I presume he um, he's, he's got some learning to do about about the Premier League, about how physical it is, how about you're not going to get the time and space that he somehow did against Liverpool. We, we managed to put him in twice, one on one, and my God, he can run with the ball. He's got very good control. You're right, Charlotte. And the two finishes against Liverpool were sensational. And I, I can't wait to see more of that. But in a nitty gritty battle where there's five or six players in the box with you, I don't think that's that's where we're going to see his best his best stuff. Well, yeah. It, I mean, <laughs> I didn't pick up on a lot of those things yesterday. Um, I was quite impressed with with how he played with, with, on scraps and, and some some of his mm. touches, some of his link up play was very very good. It wasn't going to our players. That's because our players were fucking miles away. It was almost like you know doing a little flick with the inside of his foot, turn around. It's like, well, where's where's Miguel? Where's Ryan? Like, <laughs> like they're they're in they're in the they're in our half of the pitch for some reason. Um, I just think it is a shame because we had two weeks to prepare for yesterday, and like mm. I've already alluded to, there were some things that would have possibly been worked on in the meantime and didn't come off yesterday. I think one of the most disappointing things is that that was still after two weeks, still didn't manage to create Alexander Isak a, a, a clear cut chance. Yeah. I was very, I don't, I don't blame him for that. That's very disappointing that we as a team didn't manage to do that. Class pen. I'm a huge fan of that yeah. penalty. I really enjoy well-taken pens. Like this keeper's not going to save. Callum Wilson needs to give... I don't think he will, but if they're on the pitch at the same time, he needs to give you sight the ball because Wilson's pens make me very nervous indeed. Um, Has he missed one, though? I think he might have missed one. Oh, really? Did he get the rebound from it? I don't know. Oh, but that, does it count as a missed pen when it's a rebound? But but he's, he, he puts them kind of in the middle of the goal, close to the keeper, and the keeper has to go the wrong way. Isak sent the keeper the wrong way and managed to get like the side of the net, which is beautiful. You can't save them. It was, per- it was a perfect penalty, mate. It was lovely. I was can't. just going to say it in terms of um, Isak bulking up. Is there an argument that he just needs to reach out to Hatton Benoff or Paddy Cliver to see where the best place is in Newcastle are to, to put on a little bit of weight <laughs> in a short amount of time? <laughs> Formerly John Joe Shelby, but not anymore. Mm. Um, beautiful now, John Joe. Yeah. We need you, John. Ridge like a tumbling. I think we'll leave it there. We've, we've covered most aspects of the game today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, if you like what we do, we're on Patreon. It's £8 a month and two weeks to come of, of podcasts on Newcastle United before the next fixture at Fulham, uh, which Norman will be at for True Faith. And you get all the match day content as well from 
hopefully a victory in London. So thanks to you three. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back with you talking on your class United very soon. Bye. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.